Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Tox and Tasting Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. This is Bullhagen. This is Brick. Vickers. Yeah. Vickers here. Hey, Vicker. Hello. I don't know why I stomped all over you. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, let's see that again. Bullhagen's here. <laughs> Burke's here too. And this is Vicker. <laughs> All right. And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. So we're, we're doing this on a Saturday morning. So if we sound particularly grovelly and masculine, it's because it's Saturday morning. That's right. I have to get this stuff edited before Thanksgiving. So uh, I'm I'm drinking a mocha pot of coffee. You guys ever heard of this? Is no. Like a pot of coffee? No. Yeah. So it is a, it's a metal... It's kind of like a cross between a drip pot and espresso. Okay. So it's oh, kind of I fun. saw those at I saw those at Aldi's. Yeah. Pot. Is that I love Aldi's. It? No, we got it online, so we actually did our research, and I'm drinking it out of a cup that I got from the uh, military, uh, the hit the National uh, Museum for Military Whoa. Vehicles. Yeah, these are produced. This cup is produced in uh, Wisconsin, from what I could understand, and there's a bullet going into it. And it's kind of neat. Can That's I see the front cool. of it? So, look at that. Oh, a panoramic shot. Yeah. All right. So, what are you guys drinking? Are you drinking anything? Uh, water? I, I didn't. I, I didn't grab anything. Yeah, I'm. I'm just doing water. Yeah, okay. I'm taking it easy. My my. Uh, I made some homemade beans for our get a get together last night, and I had too many of them. So, I've got my sneak energy. It's oh, early morning, so sneak. I can I can actually have my sneak energy this morning. So nice. tell us about Sneak. What's What makes Sneak Sneak? Well, I've talked about it in the past, but I guess it's been a while. It's basically an energy powder. Um, not sponsored, but uh, I like it. It's... <laughs> <laughs> not sponsored. Uh, not sponsored. You have to, You have to with these energy powders, you have to actually say that because, like, some of them are kind of scams, mm-hmm. and Sneak is probably some, a little bit of a scam, but it's enough of a value that I still like it. <laughs> so... They have a bunch of different flavors. The idea is to give you caffeine and then a bunch of other like supplement stuff to counteract the the side effects of caffeine, so you don't get like jittery and that kind of thing. Nice. So it's meant to be. It's marketed towards gamers. It's supposed to be like a gamer fuel thing. Do you dry scoop, bro? <laughs> no, no, I do not. Uh, by the way, <laughs> this is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and everyone has on their minds. Uh, shopping for Christmas, right? That's right. So this will be a great time to peruse the Clerical Air store. We are running a Black Friday sale on Sunday, uh, which is uh, everything you see on the site is the actual price. So if you if you go to the, the store and you find something that you like, uh, all items hand-selected by Peter, uh, our producer for top quality, the items, the shirts, uh, uh, the the design of the shirts, uh, the pop sockets, the soccer pants, the jersey. The coffee all, mug is really cool. The coffee mug. Uh, all, all of this is available. And, and for a limited time, what you see the price is on the store is what the price, what you will pay. Well, what about shipping and handling and taxes and all that, you know. Right, right. The stuff we can't control. Right. But besides that, the price you see is the price you pay. Yes. I, so, yeah, hurry up because... Uh, um, you never know when that might change. So uh, please g- uh, go to our store. 
We'll make roughly 3% <laughs> off the purchases you make. It'll be awesome. Which, all which goes back to the show. It all goes back to the show. <laughs> that Bird, could be Bird your... might need a new computer, so we'll get we'll put it towards that. We, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the way that you show your thanks to us. Right. But who wouldn't want some of those <laughs> items, really? So, exactly. so this is the time. It's for, it's for everybody. If you, if you want to make sure you get these, these items uh, before Christmas, this is a good time to, to get them. Uh, hand-selected procured materials by Peter. Um, finest, uh, finest materials, cotton, you know, for the shirts and polyester. All ethically sourced. Right. Uh, sustainable. Um, long lasting I'm over this let's <laughs> all right <laughs> all right uh i'm gonna i'm gonna be really optimistic for myself and put in something right here okay uh so guys we did the the meg 2 recording that came out that came out uh on thanksgiving morning how was what'd you guys think of that amazing <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun to do yeah yeah, I've never. I, I'm still not sure if I quite understand the concept, but I'm going with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Like I think we said in that recording too. You know? Right. So what you do let, is let you, us know. you watch the movie, the Meg Two, wherever you may find it. Uh, that's that's your job, not our job. Get the Meg, press play when we start, and uh, we can join you. Uh, to in watching the Meg Two for all those folks, one who are dying to see the Meg Two, right, and two so who are of them. dying to see it with us, who now through um, the the uh, magic of technology, you can actually watch it with us. And who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want Berg? You, I mean. Uh, if you if you if you love the show enough to buy a sweatshirt, certainly. Uh, do we have sweatshirts? I don't think we do. Okay, if you love us enough to buy a T-shirt, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, I think that was the deal where I didn't want to sell sell a sweatshirt I hadn't bought, and it was like it was going to be a lot of money to buy a sweatshirt, and I didn't want a clear clear sweatshirt that maybe wouldn't work, so I didn't I didn't put it at the store. But I did buy the the shirts. The shirts I did buy, we tested. They're good quality. I got one on right now. It's looking as good as new. That's true. So, uh, so yeah, we should talk about yeah, the text. Yeah, <laughs> unless you guys want to have more about Meg. Uh, but it, uh, what, what was your your thoughts on it? It was delightful, uh, action packed. Um, we we uh, watched it with a very serious tone. Super serious. Uh, we actually talked a lot more than I expected. I expected us to kind of just watch the movie. I think there's like two minutes total. Like if you added together the silence that, we, that was in the recording, it was like two minutes total over the full two hours. <laughs> wow. <laughs> a, a normal recording of the podcast has like five or six minutes. If that tells you anything. And and uh, uh, the excitement you will hear from from Berg when someone is about to get eaten or killed uh, is like you feel like you're there, <laughs> like you're on the beach. Right. Yeah, yeah. He he would Berg would say something. This movie is so stupid, and then someone would be uh, would be about to get eaten by a shark, and he is screaming, "Get him!" Or <laughs> yes, 
What does that say about you, Berg? What What did we learn from watching them egg together? Well, I think we have plenty of uh, psychologically aware people out there. So if they want to comment on my mental state, Vicar, where can they get a hold of us? <laughs> they can email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. They can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, And they can tweet at us. At me, bro. At clericalheirsp. P for podcast, bro. All right. So uh, what are we preaching on? We are preaching on the gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Thus far the text. So uh, uh, a, a text that that, that is, has a parable uh, speaking of the, the last Jesus return and the fact that you don't know when. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the wise version still waiting in antici- anticipation. And I think you can take two ways in, in, in understanding this. I know I'm probably breaking the the one intended sense that Berg's was uh, hermeneutic, but but uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's morning. Uh, on a personal personal as an individual to to continue to to not allow uh, a sleepiness. Uh, to keep you from watching from the day the Lord returns, because uh, in a sense, uh, the Lord returns also for you uh, when you die. But I think this also has something to say with the church at large and the the people in the church of not just thinking about today, Christ can return today, but be mindful of faithfulness and keeping your lamps with oil until that day and to not as a as the people of God to grow weary um, that that is a good way to kind of describe the Old Testament with all the promises of Christ coming the, the Savior coming to this world uh, he came to a world that was very drowsy it was that was only prepared by God's grace and mercy who came at the right time but uh, how many people were prepared you know not very many and it, and it took John the Baptist, uh, really, to, to help prepare the way. And in the same way, uh, there was grace and mercy in that time in the sense of, of, uh, of uh, there was time there to, to hear his word, to repent of your sins. Uh, he came in humility. Uh, the next time he comes will be in glory. Uh, and uh, everyone will know. He'll judge between the living and the dead. Uh, um, 
I was thinking of a cake song we listened to last <laughs> night. Uh, so so that that's uh, another aspect. And what does it mean to keep your lamps filled with oil? Well, what has Jesus given his church? Uh, his word. Uh, his sacraments. And, uh, and not go drowsy in, in uh, allowing uh, the darkness of this age catching you unaware. And uh, always looking to the horizon that not only... Uh, it might be a long time, but it could be today. And that's a wonderful thing to consider. What do you have, Berg? Um, well, I think, you know, there's <clears throat> a lot of things you can talk about here. Um, one is just the, the nature of the word why is, we translate it as why is, which can, uh, when, when you think of why is, Peter, what do you think of? A uh, s- uh, smart dude. I don't know, like a, like a Gandhi type. Like, oh, this guy really thinks a lot. Yeah, right? Some sort of sage sitting on a mountain, right? But an owl. that's an owl, right? <laughs> From Winnie the Pooh, right? Um, but the word here is phronesis, which is a word that was actually used by Aristotle. And it's talking about a particular type of wisdom, a wisdom that is that leads to action, to actual, um, how, how does he put it here? Uh, it implies both good judgment and it is relevant to practical action. And so I think you could preach a whole sermon here on how Christianity is practical. Like you don't need to be a big brain. You don't need to go off to some mountaintop and navel gaze and meditate. Um, what do the wise virgins or the the prudent virgin, virgins do? They prepare. They prepare for the coming of Christ. Everything in Christianity has a practical implication for your life. Um, there's no part of the Bible that doesn't have some sort of application to your life, to your faith, and the like. So um, that would be one way to um, jump off here. Another way to jump off here is that uh, Christianity is is deals with individuals. You can't be saved by Big C Church because what is the church? It is the congregation of the saints. God only deals with individuals here, right? And so mm-hmm. we see that especially with the virgins. The five prepare individually. The five foolish do not prepare and are damned. Um, and then you can go into the, the third article on this and say, you know, how, does, how do all of these things start? It, it always starts with God has called me. He has enlightened me. He's done these things for me. And then he talks about the whole church. That right. un- unlike the Roman Catholics, there's not two churches. There aren't two classes of Christians. Um, we were actually just reading a book on exorcism written by a Roman Catholic for our Winkle. And like the first line he says in the introduction is that the, the church, big C, is the guardian to the tree of life. Well, that's not our definition of church. The church right. is the product of the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. And uh, I think that's, you know, here God deals with individuals. And, I mean, this would be a great way, okay, how do you get that oil? Well, you have to listen to the sermon. You have to learn your catechism. You have to come to Bible study. Um, not as a not the plural you, but but you in particular. And that's right. actually one, one of the reasons why I, uh, <clears throat> I don't, I, I wish we hadn't lost the thous and the these. Because thou is you, is you singular. Mm-hmm. 
so like the old translations of the uh, of the commandments thou shalt not commit adultery well that's talking to you individually right? right just as the law talks to you individually so too does the call of the gospel no one can be baptized for somebody else no one can listen to a sermon for anybody else um this is why when the uh when they wake up and the bridegroom's coming and the the others are like hey give us some of your oil you can't do it right you can't do it. So why don't we just bring the y'all back? Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'd rather bring thou back than y'all. <laughs> or all y'all, right? There's another aspect of this, too, in the sense of uh, if, if, if the point, uh, as Jesus says, of the parable is uh, to, to watch, be ready. You know, if we, as a Christian, we should all seek to be ready for death at any moment. Right, and, because that's the other lesson that's being taught here, isn't it, Bullhagen, that, uh, you know, all of them start off as virgins. All of them are in the party. All of them are in the group. Right. But there are five who don't make it. Right. They actually lose their faith. And right. this is another thing that we can preach about, too, that I think, you know, in... Christianity, there's this false thought that, you know, if you're once saved, you're always saved. And that sin or being unprepared, well, that doesn't affect your salvation, but it affects your relationship with Jesus. I've actually heard that said um, in Hampton, <laughs> uh, you know. So, like, these thoughts are around that, well, you know, um, and it goes back to the Calvinists. The Calvinists really used this. Oliver right. Cromwell used it when he was afraid that on his deathbed that he was going to go to hell. And, you know, it was a way for them to give false comfort. But it's like, no, if it affects your relationship with Jesus, then it affects your salvation. And right. I and I mean, this is something we actually have to be concerned about. Like, yeah, you were confirmed. I mean, you know, you even get Lutherans who do this, right? Well, I was confirmed. Who cares? Right. right. I mean, really? And, how and, are you watching now? How are right. you preparing now? Like, if now? you knew, if you actually knew that you were going to die tomorrow, what would you do? You know? Um, and this is where a great hymn for this Sunday would be, uh, Who Knows When Death May Overtake Me? Right. At, out of TLH. Beautiful hymn. And it talks, I mean, it's like 13 or 14 stanzas long, which is awesome. But, I mean, it has everything from the sacraments to getting your house in order um, to where you find your comfort when you're dying. I mean, like... And, and I would say, too, uh, that not not just when it comes to strictly you and Jesus. Also, I would say that includes uh, reconciliation with others in your life as well. Yeah, because that actually does have to do with you and Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> right? I mean, like, if you hate your brother whom you see... How can you love God whom you have not seen? It's another thing we actually talked about at the Winkle today. It's like, yeah, why do people have such a hard time praying to God? Well, it's because they can't communicate with one another. Right. And if we can't communicate with people that we see, if we can't have a decent conversation with people that we see, well, then why would we, how can we talk to God who is unseen? And, you know, I thought that was a, that was a really good point so hey how's 15.0 doing good good yeah we uh had our winkle and rollins um here we actually do an overnight because we're so far apart 
Right. So we start at noon on Thursday and eat, and then we, you know, do Winkle for a few hours, probably four or five hours. And then we, we were supposed to go shooting, uh, but, uh, you know, to the outdoor range, but it didn't work. Oh, um, I'm glad you said that. I thought you were talking about uh, black tar heroin. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, you know us. We <laughs> we live it up here in the West. <laughs> um, And so then we went out to eat, and then Glorianne and I got a hotel with Steven, so we went swimming and did all that kind of stuff. Started at 8 o'clock, and then we were done by noon. I don't know, man. I I look at that, and I know it doesn't work in every place, but I think every Winkle should at least a couple times a year do an overnight. Oh, I'll have to have a, a visit with our circuit visitor. Do like yeah. a circuit retreat. Yeah. And not go to the camp. <laughs> well, and see, see, exactly. You, you know, like get a good hotel and, you know, um, really dig into the text. Yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. The we camp is we, a wonderful gift. But after a while, like every time we meet, I don't know, that's just. Well, and I like having a pool and, you know, it should be kind of like a vacation. It should be a time when you can hang out. And this is what I don't like. So, you know, when we would have uh, district conventions and stuff, the problem is at those kind of events, because there are too many people, you just gravitate towards your own group. You probably have seen this, haven't you? Yeah. Right? Well, with Winkles, you can't do that because there aren't enough people. So you actually have to like talk and make friends with the people who are closest to you, which that's why I'm kind of like, yeah, we should like, there should be an overnight. Like you start at noon and you, you know, go to the next day at noon. And uh, because just a few hours doesn't do it, you can't build camaraderie. Uh, In Iowa, I don't even remember, like we very, we didn't go out and do very many fun things very often. No. And we should. You know, our our, uh, our Winkle right now is kind of an uh, eclectic group of of uh, old fogies and new energetic guys. Right. <laughs> I, and, I'm kind of leaning towards the old fogey group, and I'm I'm trying to <laughs> trying to bring the other fogies like into <laughs> into it. So yeah, I mean, because I think it actually creates real unity. We had some great conversations, and then I gave <laughs> myself some more work. So of course, <laughs> what did you say um, that you would write? Well, uh, yeah. So they sent. A, they were complaining about. Um, they sent something to district. So district sent something to the to the C- CTCR about uh, soul sleep because I guess that has been kind of an issue. And actually, we just read something from Higher Things where it was very very unclear what exactly they were teaching. If they were teaching that the soul is actually insensible between the time of death and the resurrection. And so I just said, well, you know, why wait for the CTCR to do it? I mean, who cares? Like, <laughs> let's just do it. I mean, because I think we just have to start doing stuff, right? Yeah. So could, could, I'm gonna, could you give like a like a like a one a few sentence answer to that about soul sleep? Yeah. Um. Well, what do you? I guess like definitions or or what exactly? What do you want? Just your your your. So what does happen? So. You know, I I think that the idea of soul sleep is, um, it depends on what you mean by soul sleep. Pieper talks about this in his dogmatics as well. Um, what you have to say that happens after death is that you are absent in the body, you are at home with the Lord, you are with Christ, which is far better. 
How that works itself out, we don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible does focus way more on the resurrection of the dead. Right. But we have to say that the soul is with Christ. It is enjoying bliss, and um, it is far better than here. Right. That, so, that, and that's when we get in trouble is we try to then describe what we don't know. Right. And I've seen kind of the pendulum swing even since I've been a pastor because, like, there was so much talk about the interim state, like when I was in Latimer, that you'd ask people, okay, so you die, what happens? Yeah, well, you go to heaven or hell. Well, and then what happens? And they couldn't answer it, right? Right. And then guys like Gibbs come along, and, you know, they're well-meaning and everything, and they say, well, you know, the Bible actually does talk way more about the resurrection of the dead, which is true, right? That is mm -hmm. true. But then other guys, you know, they almost neglect the interim state. And it's like, no, guys, don't go into the other ditch. Right. Like, both of these things are true. Um, we just don't want to go too far one way or the other. Um, so I'll be putting together a bunch of Bibles. Because, I mean, if we actually want to teach this, uh, then it's got to be accessible to people, right? So right. Throw, throw together a bunch of Bible studies. Um, I'm even thinking about doing a Advent and Lenten sermon series on both of these some to cph for a billion dollars all right or just you know <laughs> or we, i should we just, could... or or we could just give them out for free at the clerical errors there you go the, right. i don't know I, I i almost think though psychologically you don't value free stuff so like if we just you know sell the pdfs for a dollar maybe more people would buy it because then it's like oh huh? well you know i don't know peter in you know since you're into all that stuff like that so those are kind of the things i've heard is like you almost need to sell things you know like things you would get get away for free like you know if you charge a dollar more people will actually download it um i couldn't tell you in as far as like broad experience i know personal experience uh if i'm like say going to an app store yeah for some reason, it's really hard for me to spend a dollar on the App Store. Really? Okay. You like the free yeah. stuff? Yeah, I like the free stuff too. I like the free stuff. I, you know, I don't, I don't mind going to McDonald's and getting a coffee for three bucks or whatever. But like, for some reason, on my phone, if I need to spend money, it's like I have to think about it. Right. Well, I, I guess one way I notice this is the way we listen to music. Uh, you know, I remember buying an album. <laughs> And then when you bought an album, you, you know, especially when I was in high school or, you know, where a CD back then would cost $15, which today it's like buying an album for, with inflation, like 30 or $35. So when you spend that kind of money on, you would make sure you would actually listen to it. And you would, if it was a, a CD, you would open up the CD and you'd read all the credits. And uh, if you didn't like a song, you would uh, well, and you would stick with it. You would listen for, to it for a while until because you paid for it. Now it's just uh, you listen to a song for like fifteen minutes and then you move on. So I can see from that point of view. Yeah. So I don't know. We can discuss it and see what we what we want to do with it. But uh, I don't know. It'd be nice to get some teaching tools for clerical errors as well. You know, things that we're doing. Um, you know. Yeah. Because obviously, if you know these things are district resolutions, 
there's not just one or two people dealing with it, right? Well, and that, that's something that we as a podcast can do is we can act a lot more quickly. Yeah, we can actually get stuff done. Right, like and, if we if we ask the CTCR for for uh, a document on AI, by the time they would come out with it, it would be obsolete. <laughs> that's actually a good idea. Um, maybe looking at AI and that sort of stuff because we've got Peter here to fill yeah. us in on the technical well, we, we plan of it. By it a little so. bit. I did a presentation on it. Yeah, um, how did that go? I thought it went went pretty well. It's really easy if you just if you use look at AI through the lens of the Ten Commandments, and you, so you know, uh, so did some of the old fogies think it's like a self type typing typewriter or something or um no they seem to <laughs> to be on board I think I gave some things to, for them to think about that they hadn't thought of before well and then did you watch James Cameron's uh, Terminator Two Judgment Day <laughs> no no this isn't the Wyoming district oh. Well, we don't do that either. We should, but <laughs> could we? Yes, yes, we could. Okay, let's uh, because we got a website, right? We've got a way of handling it. So, so yeah, we can. Uh, well, and if people want to put in requests on, you know, Bible studies, sermon uh, series, that sort of thing, you know, let us know. We can we can throw things together and. You know, have sample sermons, right. sermon outlines. How about this? Um, How about, one of the things Vicar has to do this year is, why don't we start with uh, uh with Lent? Because uh, Vicar has to do put together a Lenten series, mm-hmm. uh, and we can kind of make that uh, our first thing. That yeah, that's our our launch, our, our maiden launch. voyage into the uh, <laughs> into into the yes. unknown. So, okay. No, I, I I think we just have to do stuff like that because. Let's be honest. No one else is going to do it for us, and and so. we 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 can we react quick. We at least in my mind, whether we carry things out. Well, yeah. I mean, the listener might not agree right. uh, because we don't often get to their questions right away. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a question I want to answer that we haven't quite gotten to yet. It's uh, what is this whole COVID nineteen nineteen thing all about? <laughs> we should probably we should probably answer that. <laughs> Should I get the shot? What's it? <laughs> All right. Should we really be supporting this whole Iraqi war thing? <laughs> <laughs> Going old school. Right. I like it. Oh man. Can we could we uh, do a, uh, a a trip to the Holy Lands? It's pretty pretty nice right there. Right <laughs> hey, we landed on the moon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you guys hear about these 95 theses things? <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> All right. What are we moving on to? All right. So one thing we haven't done for a while is uh, for every once in a while, we like to, Vicar, you haven't been here for one of these. We listen to an old sermon. Okay. Uh, and uh, we kind of stop and we comment. All right. This is a sermon preached. Uh, it says here from... By my father, Dr. James Bullhagen, February 2nd, 1988. And I think the, uh, it sounds like this was a, a morning chapel, maybe around the time he was doing vicarage interviews or something like that, getting people ready for that. Got it? All right. Uh, the text is from Micah. In the name of Jesus, dear Christian friends, especially you candidate, 
and you nominees for vicarage. The word of God for this morning is from the third chapter of Malachi, especially the first verse. Behold, I send my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Around the year 586, the city of Jerusalem was burned, the temple was destroyed, and how no one ever thought for a minute that something like that could happen. And, of course, God's people as a political entity ceased to exist. The reasons for this judgment from God were obvious. The people were hard-hearted, unrepentant in their sin, and they engaged in idolatry of every shape and form. If someone had at that time accused them of being the people of Yahweh, you would have been hard-pressed to find a single shred of evidence to convict them of being so. In their hard-hearted unbelief, they had always wanted to be like all the other nations until finally God obliged them by treating them like all the other nations. The people were swept away in waves into the Babylonian captivity. But then the unthinkable happened, something virtually unknown in the annals of history. This annihilated nation started to make a comeback of all things. In 538, Persian king Cyrus, the now the world ruler, looked at these Jews hanging around Babylon and said, what are you folks doing here? Let these people go home. And then in 516 B.C., 70 years after Solomon's temple had been destroyed, the temple was rebuilt. And what a happy time that that was. But then another 70 years or so went by, and that brings us down to Malachi's time. About that time, the people were in sad shape once again, in sad shape with some of the same old sins as before, albeit in somewhat more subtle ways. A whole new crop of problems started to arise in the reestablished Jerusalem congregation. They were poor. There was famine in the land. The once mighty nation was, for all practical purposes, reduced to the city of Jerusalem and what you could see from the walls of Jerusalem. The people were going through, as it were, an identity crisis. Who are we? Or even, what exactly are we? Because the center of the world's activity was now hundreds of miles to the north and to the east. The people started to feel like small potatoes. They had no class. And their temple, now 70 years old. The original excitement from rebuilding the temple had now worn off, and they were just plain bored. 
The mortgage burning ceremony had taken place years ago, and they didn't have any sense of pulling together on anything, overcoming obstacles in some kind of a worthwhile project. And the building itself was no big deal either. Where Solomon's temple may have had gold, they would have something like linoleum. And in the rebuilding of the temple, yes, there was a big worship service to accompany that, but there was no real theophany, an obvious visible manifestation of God's presence that would wow them at that time. For 70 years, their worship went on business as usual, grinding the gears. Yes, yeah, very good. Um, <clears throat> it's a good retelling of biblical history. Very vivid language, gold versus linoleum. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so very, I mean, you can actually stick that in your mind. It evokes lots of great imagery there. Um, and which is good, I mean, because our, our people, this sort of preaching we should do more of simply because our people don't know the broad contours of biblical history anymore. Right. Um, and honestly, we should probably be doing more of this. Well, because that's the excuse is people don't want to preach on the Old Testament because, well, people don't know the Old Testament. Well, they'd know Help it if them. you preach right. it. <laughs> um, right. And, and yeah, I mean, some people could be like, uh, well, uh, you know, Dr. Bullhagen, this is just too much biblical history. But like, you have to have you have to have the building blocks in order to make a point. And, and uh, he, he does uh, hear, well, I would say, something we, I think we do when we explain the, the history of what's going on is we explain in a way that uh, you, you kind of know what he's gonna, where he's going to go with that, where he, he explains in a way in which uh, likens to what, the way we think and what we're going through from the very beginning, right? When he talks about what they're, what's what's uh you immediately are placed into the thinking of okay i can identify that i can identify with that and, and what i find interesting too is the fact this this was a, a sermon in 1988 and uh it certainly it feels even more relevant today than it did then yeah i mean and that's the thing is yeah uh mortgage burning ceremony uh i don't know if you guys have ever seen one of those. The only time I've ever seen that was at, um, I think Cheyenne did something like that in Cheyenne, um, where, where pastor Shear is, um, oh, what is that congregation called? Um, I don't remember our saviors. They actually had a mortgage burning ceremony. So that stuck in my mind. And, um, so it's great. He's just, he's not telling dry history, but he is giving us a view into the biblical world that we can be like, okay, yeah, I see that. That's us. Like and it, it just before. took a, took a few minutes to do it. Right. You know, and, um, yeah. So because you can do it, this effectively without, it, uh, losing people. Because every, he's not, he, if you notice in his description of the history, uh, every sentence means something. You know what I mean? He's, he's not wasting any time in describing the history. Right. And I think sometimes our preaching should be more economical like that. Right. Every sentence should be pregnant with meaning because we don't have that much time. <laughs> right. All so right. Should, should I keep going? We, yeah, let's keep going. And 
their worship lapsed into formalism, going through all the proper motions, at least on the outside, but their heart wasn't really in any of it. Their faith was in the doldrums and their life followed suit. They were sitting on their hands. And when sinners have nothing to do, sinners find all sorts of things to do. They started to complain about how bad they had it. There's nothing but injustice. The wicked are prospering. Meanwhile, we are suffering. And for lack of anything better to do, they started to nitpick and complain about each other and even wound up being conformed to the world instead of transforming the world as even their own households started to fall apart. Now, in just a few weeks, you gentlemen will be going into congregations that may have many of the same problems that the people in Jerusalem had in Malachi's time. You may go into a congregation that's poor. You may go into a congregation who has a very small domain if they feel like conquerors at all. You may be in a congregation that's suffering some kind of an identity crisis because they're so far away from all the centers of the world's activity. They may be conducting business as usual and starting to get bored with it. You may be going to a congregation whose excitement with their building program has long since died down and they're still laboring with the fact that the bank wants the monthly payment next month as well as this month, too. You'll be going to a congregation which has not seen any theophany, any visible, pro uh, any visible sign of God's presence more potent than A.L. Napkins, and they may, may be longing for some kind of a sign that it's all for real. Okay, pause it. A.A.L. <laughs> Napkins... That's beautiful. I love it. Right. Yeah, I kind of miss AAL. Do you know what that is, Vicar? <laughs> I vaguely have an idea of it. Yeah, it was uh, uh, before Thrivent. It was, uh, it became Thrivent, sort of, through merger, I think. Yeah, they merged, I think so. So. Well, and that's the thing. So he's moved from exposition of the biblical text or the sits in Laban, and now he's at uh, the application, right? Right, right. Biblical world, our world. Biblical troubles, our troubles. This and is it, really res, um, reminiscent of um, the four-page sermon. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever read that book. Vicar, have you ever heard of that? I've heard of it, but I've never read it. Yeah, so basically um, each part of the sermon is described as a page, where you page one is the biblical world or the problems in the biblical world or the need in the biblical world. Page two is the need or problem or whatever in in the contemporary world and then page 3 is god's solution in the old you know in in the biblical world god's solution in the contemporary world is the fourth page as well so huh. and, and uh i do like uh you know the the talk about uh idol sinners and um nitpicky <laughs> Like that, that tends to happen, you know. Right. With if then things are going well, sometimes it's, or not so well. It's it's easy to point fingers and to to be so concerned about yourselves uh, without actually thinking about those outside us. 
you know, when someone's going through, for example, on a personal level, some sort of a, a depressive time or something, sometimes the best thing for them is to go help someone else and not think about themselves. It gets them out of that. And I think certainly that happens with churches too. Um, that's why the vicar thing has been a blessing here because it gives us kind of a vision here of what's going on outside of these walls and that we have a connection with with the church at large. So, should I keep going? Keep going. Be sitting on their hands looking for excitement, and they'll find it somehow or another, even if it's of the bad variety. The only answer for all of this, the only answer, is the same for us as it was for the people in Malachi's time. Adon, the Lord, Jesus Christ, the angel messenger of the one covenant of grace, going all the way back to the solemn, gracious oath God gave to Abraham. Adon, the Lord, whose way was prepared by Elijah, John the Baptist, his messenger, and whose way is still prepared in our world by his messengers today, people like you and me. I can pause it for a second. Another thing I notice here um, is in the, the preaching and the style is the context. And um, what I appreciate is the fact that here he is preaching at <laughs> the seminary, right, to some professors and seminary students. And yet he's doing it in a simple, clear way. He's not, he's not, uh, he's not being overly academic, overly academic or out to prove some nuance of this or that. He is simply preaching the, the text in a clear way. Uh, and I ap appreciate that. Does that make, make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes sitting in chapel, sometimes it can be, uh, very academic, uh, in, in delivery and in, in the way that they present the sermons. So some, uh, that's definitely a, a breath of fresh air to hear that. Well, you know, uh, the guys at the circuit here the other day, they actually mentioned your dad, Bullhagen. They said, uh, you know, he's one of the few that uh, actually not only had parish experience, but also went back out into the parish after their time at the seminary. And I think this has to do with this phronesis that we talked about earlier with the uh, five wise virgins mm -hmm. that um, I I honestly think that uh, at the seminary it should be seven to ten years and then you go back into the parish as a professor. Yeah, it's I know it was ac actually interesting in the fact that uh, I think there was uh, more adjust adjustment for my father than he realized there would be after 17 years because you're, you're, you're teaching pastors and, and it, the the church had changed out in the, in, in the congregations in that 17 years quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this is where I think, honestly, um, if, if Christianity is practical and we have plenty of able men in the Senate, why shouldn't professors rotate in and out every seven to ten years? Yeah. I mean, really. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would make them... Because otherwise, you are like you said. Uh, even your dad, who is a a very you know practical, down to earth type of guy, who seems to have his finger on the pulse of the church, even he, after seventeen years, 
had trouble adjusting. It's like, well, what happens if you're at the seminary for 40 years? Right. And and, I mean, and, and to put it in perspective, this is uh, this was about four years after he had been in the seminary. So the, he still, I think you can tell that his his mind was very closely on the pulse of the church, mm-hmm. just being four years out of the parish. Right. So, I mean, <clears throat> it'd be kind of like, uh, you know, having professors who are there and, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, the worship wars. <laughs> is that is that really the is that really the big thing we're we're talking about these days? I, I don't so, know. I don't know. I'm I'm so out of the loop. I'm not sure where where we're at at the worship war thing. So right. yeah, I'll keep continue. going. When you go out into your congregations, you will be angels of the king. You will have the joy and privilege of announcing the coming of the king to his temple, no matter where that happens to be. Maybe even in Iowa. <laughs> you will be angels ah. of the king. The king will increase, but you will decrease. Don't get in his way. But on the other hand, don't get so insecure about this whole business either, about being an angel of the king. In the kingdom of God, you are like an Ed McMahon who doesn't have to wow anybody with anything. Okay, okay, pause not- it. Ed McMahon? <laughs> <laughs> that's a great reference yeah do you, do you know who ed mcmahon is yes i know who ed mcmahon is peter do you know uh no i don't i'm sorry yeah he was a sidekick to johnny carson oh okay sure right kind of like max richter no is that Car- andy. andy andy richter, richter to conan was yeah yeah we're uh his job was just to kind of laugh <laughs> right all right uh, what a dig at Iowa! You yeah, might even you go to Iowa. <laughs> it shows God has a sense of humor because you know. <laughs> How long have you been in Iowa now? <laughs> uh, yeah. Long, well, you know, over. T- I've let's put it this way: I've served a, served a congregation in Iowa for twenty over twenty five years because I've been here for close to twenty two years. And before that, I served a dual parish. One of them was in Keokuk, Iowa. So, all right, here we go. Come with signs to be observed, but you will come with the all-sufficient word. And by the sacraments you administer, you will be showing the people before their eyes that Adon has come to his temple. Now the people that you minister to are going to show in many obvious ways that they're still living with one foot in this old, worn-out age of this world. But at the same time, through the Word and through the sacrament, you will be announcing to them that already now they are in the new age, that they have one foot in the new age where the king, Adon, is all in all already now. You will be able to sit and observe with the members of the congregation. Adon at work. Adon will shake the people out of their doldrums. He'll increase their faith, which in turn will make changes in their life. He'll make the congregation of people have a new importance as you announce to them their new identity, the forgiven sons of the king. And they will be receiving through the word of God a new purpose that they are to declare his praises in the world. 
The king will do this, not you. You are just his angel, his messenger. Nevertheless, you will have the joy and privilege of announcing, just like Paul announced to Timothy and his congregation. You people don't have to feel sorry about yourselves any longer because Adon cares about you and has forgiven all your sins. Don't sit around and feel sorry for yourself anymore. Let your prayers and supplications rise up to God, even for those people who are at the hub of all the world's activity, because they desperately need your prayers. They need your prayers because, after all, you are sons of the king who is the one mediator between God and man. You will be angels of the king. Announcing to the people, Adon has come. Adon is coming soon. Long live Adon and his people. Let every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Adon. To the glory of God the Father. Amen. So there it was. Um, kind of simple. It's always good to have a, a good pep talk. <laughs> well, and it's a pep talk without glossing over or sugar sugarcoating what you know it's going to be like. Right, right. He he uh, he gets he really tries to get to the mind of how it is that uh, these men will be frustrated. Um, and I think uh, uh, it's it's really easy uh, to. To see how he he's mindful of of what their struggles and concerns will be when they go out, and as you know, a lot of things he was talking about, uh, I think we still see. I, I think a lot of church pastors will identify the fact that uh, how often they hear about that that particular congregation's glory days. You know, when like here when we had to open up the overflow, or we had you know. 120 kids in the Christmas program and, and all those things. Uh, it doesn't change the fact of what you're doing now. And, and I appreciate, too, this understanding. Um, when you look at uh, the, the, the words of the prophets, there's such a, an intergenerational thing. When the, the prophets were, when, when, he, when Micah was talking about uh, John the Baptist preparing the way. It's still going to be a long time. And uh, he's, he's providing them hope in the way that Paul would talk about hope. Hope in what will happen even after you die. What God, you're, you're, the promises of God are so real that it gives you hope today. Um, so, yeah. Vicar, you have anything? By the way, I do notice it is strange how I can listen to a sermon of my father from uh, this would be hmm, 35 years ago, maybe. Oh, more, more than that. 40-something, you yeah. say You said 80-something, right? 88. 88. So 37 years? Yeah, 37. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe, Peter, can you recognize your father's voice? In <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> yeah. We kind of sound the same <laughs> in many ways. Yeah, I was noticing that too. <laughs> I, there are little bits here and there right. that just sound ex exactly the way that you preach. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, uh, how are we doing on time, Pete? Uh, we're at time. Are we? Yep. All right. Not groundbreaking episode, but solid line drive. That's right. What a good discussion. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so I would say listening to that sermon is a great way to, to end this, uh, because I know you're all anxious to, to quickly, and uh, now that you're done, go to the clerical heirs store. Uh, and check out our Black Friday deals. So get them all. You can still can, man. <laughs> this is Bullhagen. This is Berg. And this is Vicar. And and may you be thankful for your merch. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.